Happy Thursday, everybody, and welcome back to the Get Your Goat podcast. Josh here to break it all down for you, catch up on some some things that I've missed talking about, uh, and that is a variety of things. Jamal Adams and his new deal for the Seattle Seahawks is a safety reset the safety market with his max contract. Preseason football, Patrick Beverly on the move again. A lot of good NBA games are slated that they've revealed for opening day and Christmas Day. KD and Draymond Green again, and then my top five teams in a major league baseball. So let's get into it. But to start off, I like the Detroit Lions. I do. Uh, rooted for them for a while. But as with this uh, new regime and Dan Campbell, I just can't bring myself to like the Lions. I just can't. I don't like Dan Campbell. More icing on an already thick cake yesterday. Uh, Dan Campbell cut Don uh, Molbach, who was it was his 40th birthday, and what no greater surprise, what a great present than to get fired, get cut on your 40th birth, birthday. You can't pick another day to do it. I mean, I think there's three or four days, uh, periods of time, I mean, where you can you know, cut your players down as the roster uh, goes from 75 or 80 players or down all the way to 53, a man roster. He couldn't have waited a week, done it a week earlier, had to do it on his birthday. And what did Dan Campbell have to say about this? He said, there's no way to sugarcoat it. I'm an a-hole. It is what it is. I mean, that's just another thing that players such as Megatron Calvin Johnson Jr. himself uh, can point to and say, hey, there's no loyalty, there's no love, no reward. For being a Detroit Lion, there isn't. So, that's just another example of maybe it it doesn't matter. It's just Detroit regime to Detroit regime to Detroit regime. doesn't matter who it is. That's just their culture. That's how it's always going to be. But that's also why the Lions are going to be one of the worst teams in the league. They really are. Not only did Don get cut, but Tim Tebow also got cut. The Jaguars cut him. And I don't know why they would cut him. Uh I know why they would cut him, uh, because they don't think he's a good football player. But you look at it this way. Every coin has two sides, a head and a tail. You look at it one way. uh, Tim Tebow, what does he bring on the field? Well, not much. As a tight end, not much. And I don't think uh, Urban Meyer had or the desire to use Tim Tebow in sort of a Taysom Hill role where he'd play quarterback, running back, tight end, uh, multiple positions. I thought 
that what I saw in training camp at preseason, that they wanted to use Tim Tebow strictly as tight end, uh, which I don't think was ever going to be the smartest idea. You know, we saw his blocking skills, uh, which were terrible, and, you know, minor receiving skills, because he wasn't a tight end. He was a great, one of the greatest collegiate uh, football quarterbacks at the University of Florida, you know, was a baseball player, a tight end, tried out. So they obviously felt he didn't work, and I don't think he was going to be a great tight end anyways. But on the other side, excuse me, on the other side of that coin you have is name me, name yourself, think to yourself, who is the Jaguars' tight end? I don't know him. I don't. Tim Tebow was the only tight end that I knew on the Jaguars. He was. And he's a popular player. Uh, his jersey, when he got signed for the Jaguars, I think was the best-selling jersey for a stretch there. So take that how you will. But I thought for a marketing, for a brand, you know, bring people in, people just watching the Jaguars just to play and play Tim Tebow. I mean, that's something even if you just keep him as your roster, a third tight end. But again, as I said, I don't know who else is on the Jaguars at the tight end position. I don't. I don't care to know who they are anymore either. Uh, because what else I've seen out of this Jacksonville Jaguars team doesn't look pretty, and I don't think they'll be great uh, this year as well but it was an interesting move for Tim Tebow uh, for the Jags to cut Tim Tebow and and again a professional career for Tim Tebow has been sad and unbelieved when he had that high with the Broncos you know the 75 80 yard whatever it was slant touchdown to Demarius Thomas to beat the Steelers in the wild card game Uh, what a great moment that was you know that lives on in wild card infamy uh, but other than that, it has been a very sad uh, professional career for Tim Tebow in both football and baseball. And I think you get to this time now, you know, where he's 31 or 32 years old, and you've got to just hang the cleats up. I know he has a desire and he wants to do this, and he would rather be playing football than broadcasting or analyzing. Uh, but it, I think it is time to officially hang it up and say goodbye to the Tim Tebow chapter for now and forever. Now, what did the Seattle Seahawks do? Well, they just made one of the dumbest decisions in the history of that organization when they made Jamal Adams the highest paid safety in the NFL. I think it was around $17, $17.5 million average per season. $38 million guaranteed out of like a four-year, $72 million contract is what he got. Uh, I thought he was going to budge on a $38 million, but he did. But, you know, he said his mama told him, called him by his first name, and that was it. He knew that he just has to sign that deal. And who would be stupid enough not to sign that deal? I mean, you're not even a top-five safety uh, like that he is. You're definitely not a ball-hawking safety. You're not uh, a field general like Earl Thomas was. 
Uh, you're no Devin McCourty either. You're no Honey Badger. You're no Playmaker. I mean, you call yourself a defensive weapon, and that's fine. You don't even line up in the safety position. Majority of the time you line up is this sort of Viper uh, hybrid role as a linebacker, defensive end. You do garner a lot of sacks because you are faster than most uh, defensive linemen rushing, so you can get after the quarterback. So I think if you look at it from perspective that, hey, if he is a defensive lineman or a linebacker, you know, linebacker, he'd be t- paid one of the best defensive line. You know, he'd be mid top 10. So I want to look at it that way and say he's not a true safety. He only has two career interceptions in the time that he's played the NFL, uh, which is, I think, pretty poor for a safety and what safeties can do. Uh, His coverage skills are terrible, to say the least. And I don't think this was a smart deal. For the Seattle Seahawks, I think they should have saved money. I've found a trade because I think the cornerback position is much more important than the safety position, and especially the safety position that Jamal Adams plays, not even a true safety or a cover safety uh, like that, like an Adrian Amos. Uh, it's more of a yeah, defensive hybrid. Uh, but I prefer just your role and playing your role and Jamal Adams worked the Seahawks on this one. I'll tell you that. And, you know, I hope that with this money and what the Seahawks have now shelved out for him, that he's worth it. Because I believe they only have $5 million in cap space now. And Dwayne Brown wants a contract extension. Uh, What else? DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf is going to want a contract extension next year or the year after that. And I don't think $5 million is going to cut it. So it'll be interesting to see the Seahawks in this cap situation that they have put themselves into now. But because of this, uh, Tyran Matthew, he gets paid a lot, $14.5 million, And there's been rumblings in the new deal with him. However, you know, Chiefs general manager uh, Veach says it's not really possible at this moment to give Tyron Matthew the honey badger in the New Deal. Tyron Matthew is better than Jamal Adams. He should be paid higher than Jamal Adams if we're going by the pay scale. But to his point, the Chiefs don't have money for a New Deal for Tyron Matthew. Even if they were to put more money down or extend it, they don't have money they have Patrick Mahomes on a huge deal they have Tyreek Hill on a huge deal they have Travis Kelsey on a huge deal they have Joe Thune on a big deal Chris Jones on a huge deal and Tyron Matthews on a big deal himself so an even bigger deal the Chiefs just don't have room for that they just don't but I think if I think Tyran's a smart guy, much smarter than Jamal Adams. I think he realizes that his fourteen and a half million is fine. He'll take a new deal when and if he can, but as for now, he's gonna enjoy making a decent amount of money playing football, uh and uh being part of a championship contender every single year because he has a better chance of winning a ring than Jamal Adams does with the 
Seattle Seahawks, and that is just the facts. But there is more preseason football starting tonight on through this weekend. Patriots and Eagles are tonight. Interesting to see more Mac Jones, see how he develops uh, into a quarterback. Jalen Hurts, Joe Flacco there at Philadelphia. See what happens there. Tomorrow, Bengals and Washington. And then the Chiefs and Cardinals is going to be a great game. Why is that? Not only because I'm going. I know it's preseason. Nothing special. But still, Andy Reid says the starters are playing the half. I'm going to be seeing Patrick Mahomes, Tyree Kills, Travis Kelsey playing the first half. Cardinals are still weary. Don't know if, you know... Their edge rushers aren't going to play. Their defensive starters aren't going to play. Who knows if their offensive starters will or will not. Kyler Murray, A.J. Green, DeAndre. But if they don't, this could get rough just in the first half alone. This could be a very enjoyable half for Kansas City Chiefs fans. I am expecting a blowout in this preseason game. What else is there? Well, you have the Bills and the Bears. You've got Justin Fields and Mitchell Trubisky facing off. Mitchell Trubisky's old team, the Bears, the new quarterback and future successor, Justin Fields going up against each other. Oh, the storylines, how we love to see it. Even though it's a preseason game, there still is a little ramped up motivation to face your former team and act like you made a mistake. I think that's what Mitchell Trubisky is going to go out there and do with the Bills. Jets and Packers, Zach Wilson saying he grew up idolizing Aaron Rodgers. Now he gets to play, you know, opposingly against Aaron Rodgers, his idol. We'll see how that goes. Titans and Buccaneers, there were some uh, tempers flaring at their practice that they had today ahead of a preseason game. Uh, you know, with Antonio Brown and Devin White and Jamel Dean and Mike Vrabel, Chris Godwin, a lot of guys kind of getting into it. But good thing nothing really fighting uh, came up, even though tempers uh, were hot. Then you've got Colts and the Vikings as well. Kynars Kirk, will he play? Raiders and Rams, Broncos and Seahawks, 49ers, Chargers, Battle of California teams. A lot of action in preseason football. Now moving on to the NBA. The Memphis Grizzlies traded Patrick Beverly again. This is the Patrick Beverly that was just traded. He was just on the Clippers. Just traded to the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies go back and trade him right again to the Minnesota Timberwolves for Jared Culver and Juancho Hernan Gomez. What a move. I thought the Grizzlies wouldn't need him as they have a backcourt in John Morant and Grayson Allen and Dylan Brooks. I thought they really don't need Patrick Beverly, Timberwolves. Have D'Angelo Russell. Do they need him? But no, I think they need a more solid backup uh, than what they have in uh, Memphis. 
So Minnesota, they get tougher. A weak team, you know, Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony Towns got into it, uh, and he thought the way they played over there was very soft. Patrick Beverly could go in and reignite or be a problem there. But I think this is a trade that just cancels out. Memphis gets younger, you know, with the Jarrett Culver, uh, who was drafted a few years ago and still has tremendous upside potential, I believe. So we'll see how that works out for him. Joel Embiid signed a super max max extension to four years, $196 million. That will keep him employed with the 76ers if he so long desires through the 2026-2027 season. He was already going to make $65 million over the last two years of his deal, but this renegotiation gives him a little more money. I like this deal, and this was the only deal to make if you were the Philadelphia 76ers. Why? Well, uh, he is their star. That's what he is. 25 points, 11 rebounds uh, since being drafted and the time that he's played, missing kind of those first two seasons with a foot injury. Past four seasons, those numbers have been great. That's a double-double finished top in MVP voting this year in the top three. And he is the star of Philadelphia. The 76ers fans love him. He engages with the media, with the fans. Uh, He's funny. He jives at players on the court. He's entertaining. And he is fun uh, to watch. He can shoot the ball extremely well. I think for a man of that size with his limited mobility, his free throws are great. Get him to the free throw line. Uh, He has a decent mid-range game. He dominates in the post. Every once in a while, he can heat up from three. When he's locked in defensively, there are few better than him. So really, he is a complete package, a complete star for the Philadelphia 76ers. So it was the right decision to make from their perspective, because out of all their players that they have and that they have signed, Joel Embiid is their best player. But what they need to do is find the perfect player to pair with Joel Embiid. Ben Simmons is not that guy. He is not. Great defensively, will give it to you defensively all the time. But he is the first just zero and D guy that we have seen. Can't shoot shots, has no pull-up game, no jump shot, no shot at all. Can't shoot from a free throw line. Can be a playmaker at times and assist, but my God, is he just awful when shooting the ball. It is just sad to watch, and he cannot be paired with Joel Embiid because they can't be both down in the paint at the same time. They can't play together, I believe, this much longer in an attempt to win a championship. I think this is a team that is great in a regular season, but in a postseason, they have very serious issues and problems that got exposed And it was probably for the best that it got exposed. So yes, Joel Embiid is worthy 
of this extension is rightfully so that he gets this big contract extension is, is worthy of being the highest paid 76er player on this team uh, with regular season success, with you know mild postseason uh, wins. But in order to go a step further with Joel Embiid in this core, you have to trade Ben Simmons or just find a suitable partner in crime for Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid will forever be the Batman of this team. That's his role. He likes that being his role. But until then, you have to find a new Robin because this Robin and Ben Simmons needs to go. He needs to fly out of the nest and get going out of there. But then other than Joel Embiid, there were some great matchups revealed. We're going to start first with the NBA opening day. You get a rematch of the Eastern Conference semifinals series between the Brooklyn Nets and the Milwaukee Bucks. What a game that will be. In Milwaukee, the banner raised, rings out. Oh, how great it will be. Brooklyn's big three presumably should be healthy. Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Kevin Durant. But Kevin Durant, who had a masterful performance against the Bucks in that series, a valiant losing effort going up against the champions in the Milwaukee Bucks. Giannis Antetokounmpo, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton. I mean, how exciting will that be opening night? Last time we saw each other play, saw that crazy uh, overtime game where the Bucks held on and won after Kevin Durant's foot missed an inch to actually win the game and not send it to overtime. This is also exciting because it's been ranked that the Nets have the best big three. A lot of people actually have the Bucks at the number two big three. So that's, you know, Drew, Chris, and Giannis over Kyrie, James Harden, and KD. Nets definitely, to me, have the better big three just on paper just because they can shoot the ball so well, so consistently, uh, Kyrie, James, and Kevin Durant, to me, are all versions of themselves, just in different sizes. They can all be part of the 50-40-90 club, which is 50% uh, field goal shooting, 40% from a three, and 90% from a three-point, or from a 50% from a field, 40% from a three-point line, and 90% from a free-throw line. These guys can shoot the ball. Uh, can they defend? No, not really. But to me, uh, they just shoot, will shoot the lights out when we're all healthy on the court. The Bucks have the chemistry. They've been there, done that, as was evident this past year. They know their roles. The chemistry is there between Giannis, Chris, and Drew. They have a better supporting cast around them. Then V-Nets, you know, Joe Harris went awful cold last year, and Blake Griffin's a shell of himself. DeAndre Jordan didn't get much playing time, whereas the Bucks have favorites. And Bobby Portis, Dante DiVincenzo will be returning, Brooks Lopez. So to me, they have a more balanced roster than 
the Brooklyn Nets, even though they have one of the best players in the game right now in Giannis Antetokounmpo. So what an exciting matchup that will be. Highlight right there. Then you have the Los Angeles Lakers going up against the Golden State Warriors. The rematch of that crazy first play-in game. LeBron hit in the eye by Draymond Green. Sees three rims from 35 feet away. Shoots for the middle one and drains the clutch three-point shot with a minute left. Oh, what a rematch this will be. What a way to open up this season for the Lakers playing the Warriors. Steph Curry was just brilliant last year. I don't think Clay will be back in time for this game opening day, but if he does, that'll just add excitement to the matchup. Lakers, we get to see the debut of their big three. Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, Anthony Davis. We know how good that dynamic duo has been, but let's see the chemistry in added feature of Russell Westbrook to this matchup right there on opening day. These two games are some of the best of the best. These are the ones that we are looking forward to watching. But the NBA didn't stop there. They also gave us the Christmas Day slate. What does that look like? Well, Hawks and the Knicks are starting out. That is a big game. Trey Young returning to the Madison Square Garden where he silenced those fans. Silenced Spike Lee in the home court, home arena. How will Kemba Walker look with this team? Evan Fournier, some of these new signings. Will Julius Randle be that same player? It'll be great to watch that entertaining first game matchup for fans that do not like Trey Young be there to boo and heckle him. Should be exciting right on the jump from Christmas Day. After that, the Celtics and the Bucks. Of course, the Bucks get special treatment because they are the champions. So they play the Celtics and the young stars who are certainly not young stars anymore. They're younger, but they are progressing there in Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Danny Ainge gone. Uh, Coach Stevens is now the GM. How will this team look uh, now playing with a new coach? And seeing how they adjust to him and their new style of play. Then to me, you have the best games after that. You have the Suns and the Warriors. That'll be a big game. Why? Because Clay should officially already be back by then. With Draymond, with Steph. A couple months into the season. Playing the Suns, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and DeAndre Ayton. What a game that will be two months in to see where these teams are at, to see if the Suns have replicated the success that they saw last year with around the same team, if Chris Paul is still one of the better point guards in the league or if he's still taking a step back with his age, if Devin Booker is progressing uh, to the Kobe style that a lot of people put on him or if that is all a sham. But I think we'll see the Warriors play great. Steph in form, Clay in form, a three-point shooting barrage. It could be both teams taking a ton of three-pointers. That game will be a lot of fun to watch. 
Then in primetime, you have the Nets and the Lakers. Everybody wanted to see LeBron and Kevin Durant in the NBA championship. However, injuries made sure that that would not happen. So instead, they have it locked down at Christmas Day. Last time LeBron and KD faced off Christmas Day, well, it was entertaining to say the least with the, with the Warriors and the Cavs. What a game this will be. Hopefully both teams are healthy so we can see both big threes on display. The Kyrie, the Harden, the KD, the Russell Westbrook, the AD, the LeBron and see the other pieces of there as well for the Lakers. Carmelo, Bazemore, Ariza, Dwight Howard back in the fold, Wayne Ellington. See how these moves Look against the Nets as sort of a finals preview, not to get ahead of ourselves, but with LeBron playing with yet another self-motivated chip on his shoulder. See how this team looks and plays, I think, is going to be a lot of fun Christmas Day. And then to close off, the Mavericks and the Jazz. Young stars right there. Luka Doncic, Donovan Mitchell, those are the headlines there. Again, these all, it's not like the NFL where there's playoff implications in every game. But to me, there's potential playoff matchups in certain games. And this is one of them. How will the Jazz look primetime after blowing a primetime lead against the Clippers? where they were up by 25 points and blew it, up 2-0 and blew it. The Mavericks, same thing. You can say these are the Clippers teams. Clippers own both the Mavericks and the Jazz. Came back 2-0 on both of them, basically fighting for supremacy of who is the better little brother at this point in time. But that should be exciting. So NBA is giving us some great matchups. But what else happened in the NBA? Well, Katie and Draymond both blame Steve Kerr and general manager Bob Myers for the breakup. Before it was kind of said that Draymond was kind of raising the argument. But Katie and Draymond firmly believe it was Steve Kerr and Draymond, or Katie and Green believe it was Steve Kerr and Bob Myers. They said it wasn't the argument that was involved between uh, KD and Draymond, where Green was uh, suspended for a game for that. Uh, but they just think that they messed it all up uh, by the way they handled it and the way uh, it became publicized and uh, talked about. So they blamed them. Compared to time, the last dance with Scottie Pippen. And, of course, they would do that. KD can hate on his former team, and Draymond can hate on his current team that he is on. And the system that he is in with Steve Kerr is the reason why Draymond was so good for such a long period of time. Yes, I think defensively he would have fit in well at any team. But his shooting is subpar. To me, he's another version of Ben Simmons where he really can't shoot. Great defensive, great ability to hustle. 
but Steve Kerr put him in a great position to win because he had Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. So Draymond Green was just naturally associated with those players, where if he was on another team at that period of time, like the Timberwolves, we'd say, oh, what a great defensive player, but he's really not that good when you look at those advanced analytics and his shooting. But no, Steve Kerr put him in a place to blossom and grow his career, to have big contracts, and Draymond slaps him in the face, same with Bob Myers as well. Of course they would do that. You know, nobody can accept responsibility anymore in this world on that team. So they just point the fingers, the blame game somewhere else. It's not my fault, not your fault, but it is, you know, everybody else's fault. I didn't do anything wrong. And that just continues there in that old, very old debate now. I think this incident occurred 2019. Uh, so again, this is an old incident that they keep bringing up and wanting to talk about, oh, why did Katie leave Golden State? Well, he's been transparent about why he's left Golden State more than why he left Oklahoma City. We know, really know it's because of, you know, not being able to play well with, mesh well with, uh, Russell Westbrook after so long, but he's been much more vocal about Golden State ever than he was with Oklahoma City. Again, KD's a very soft player who needs to blame other people. Again, is not another responsibility taker. Is not a leader. It shows that Draymond Green's not a leader. And I feel bad for players and coaches like Steve Kerr and general manager like Bob Myers who have to put up with the junk that KD and Draymond Green, you know, kind of spew all over the place. But now to move from one NBA subject to the next. I'm going to briefly discuss and how I react and feel about the NBA 2K ratings and some of the top players there. So there is no undisputed best player in 2K this year. Last year, it was LeBron. He was the best. This year, that is not the case. They have four players there at the top. All at a 96 overall sit Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Steph Curry, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Now right there, Kevin Durant responded thinking he should be a 99. LeBron responded thinking KD should be a 99. So uh, they're fine with that. But this is a point I want to make. 2K played it very safe here. Why? There's been such a debate just this past year on who's still the better player. Is it Giannis? He just won the championship. Oh, it's Kevin Durant. Look at how Steph Curry played most of the season, you know, with no Klay Thompson. Uh, LeBron, you know, is still in the mix. So they have an argument for four of the top players, even though, you know, you can make an argument for one of them over the others. But they just said, hey... These are the four best players. You and I know that. We're just going to start from off at a 96 and see how this season progresses. And they'll, we'll change their overall from there. But, you know, you can discuss, oh, this player should be a 99 or 98. But these are what players are, people are saying are the four best players. So we'll give you that. So they kind of uh, thought away any more of a harsh criticism by giving them just that. 
who's right there right after him at 96 from down to 95? Well, Nikola Jocic and Joel Embiid and Kawhi Leonard. Well, I have no problem with that. I do feel those are kind of the next tier of players. You have Kawhi Leonard, to me, right there below those four in terms of greatness and now with the injury as well. And then, uh, I think you have the two best big men in the league too. Nikola Jocic and Joel Embiid. You can kind of pick uh, who you like more or not. But to me, I like Joel, but some people might say Jokic. Of course, it's for different reasons. But to me, those are some of the best big men in the league. And it's fair that both of them are 95, even though Jokic is the reigning MVP. After that, at 94, you have three players to round out that top 10, and that's Luka Doncic, uh, James Harden, and Damian Lillard. And Doncic, again, is a star offensively. James Harden is another star offensively. Damian Lillard is another star offensively. They don't offer much in terms of defense, but those are some of the best uh, shooters, playmakers in the league. So, Makes sense for them to have it right there. So those are the top 10. Those are all high, 96 uh, to 94 overalls. Number 11, though, is where we see the last 90 overall. And that's Jason Tatum sitting there at 90. I agree with that. He is a great player. So you really have 11 players that are 90, but really 10 players that are the best of the best they believe. Then after that, you know, break it up into more tiers. You kind of have your higher 80s tiers, uh, which is Zion, Trey Young, Rudy Gobert, Chris Middleton, uh, Zach Levine, uh, Devin Booker, and sorts like that all in there. Uh, Chris Paul as well. Uh, so that is all very interesting uh, to see them and where they're slotted at in sort of this lineup. Then you have the best three-point shooters in the NBA. Really can't argue this. Stephen Curry, the best. Clay Thompson, the second best. Duncan Robinson, Joe Harris, and Steph Curry rounding that out. So I do think for the majority of it, 2K did get it right. Maybe you are arguing over what overall this should be, but I think in terms of players and player rankings that they did get it right. I'm kind of fine with it. In terms of another video game, NHL 22, that trailer was revealed today with new X-Factors, so I will break that down more later. But video games are already causing a stir within the community of people that aren't gamers. Now moving on to the MLB. Yankees, Luke Voigt has voiced his concern and opinion, really, about how he feels in his time with the Yankees and Anthony Rizzo as well. He feels he should be playing just as much as Anthony Rizzo. Finished in top 10 MVP last year. Um, some Something amazing and... Uh, you need to play me. So good for you. 
Luke Voigt, I'm glad you feel that way. I'm glad that, you know, you finished in top 10 MVP voting. You led the league in home runs last year at 22 and 59 games in a pandemic-stricken year that wasn't really baseball, but, you know, they threw something on the field to tape it up and mask it and look like baseball. But that's such a small sample size, Luke Voigt. You're taking one year. You've had injuries in the past. Yes, you've been coming up in a long. You've had at-bats where you look like the man, and you've had at-bats that look the opposite of that. Where Anthony Rizzo, the captain of the Chicago Cubs, the adored star over there, first baseman, you know, the smile and the glamour of it all over there at first base and the hitting and the likability and the personality of Rizzo. You're going to attack Rizzo and say you should play as much as him. Rizzo, who has a great career and, you know, to me will probably be in the Hall of Fame. All those guys from that Cubs team will be just because they broke the 108-year-old curse. Luke, what you really haven't done nothing yet. You are not a champion uh, to me. So prove that you're a champion first. You know, top 10 is, you know, saying if I'm, it's not like you said I'm finished in top three or I was runner-up or top five. You were top 10. You were outside of five and you were between six and 10. So you know what you get? You get one of those awards, you know, in school where everybody kind of gets a trophy to not make you feel bad and you get a little badge or a ribbon that says participant on there. That's what you get, Luke Voigt. You get a nice participant badge. That's what you get. You participated in that season last year. And yeah, you were better than some. You know, in your eyes, you were better than a lot. But you didn't really finish great, I would say. So you get a participant ribbon. So enjoy that participant ribbon until you get some hardware then we can start talking because I don't want to hear anything from you, and or Luke White. So with that, I'm going to give you my top five teams in Major League Baseball. That is number five, the Houston Astros. Why? I know we're on a four-game losing streak. I don't like the Astros, but I'm not worried about the Astros. Why? Well, they scored the most runs in baseball. They're great offensively. And you know what they're also great at? They're great at beating good teams. They have the second best record against teams with a winning percentage. That bodes well in the playoffs. Because in the playoffs, you're going to face great teams. And if the Astros are beating great teams now, they have a higher probability and chance of beating great teams in the playoffs. That's why they're at five. Number four, the Milwaukee Brewers. Why? Well, they're on a four-game winning streak. Their offense is intact. Christian Yelich is really, really good. I mean, one of the best players, MVP uh, candidate, and I am ready Uh for the, actually the MLP playoffs just to start and to see these teams in this tight schedule where it's not a lot of games and series, but quality against quality and the Milwaukee Brewers in there with this team clicking like we all thought they were going to click at the beginning of the season. But to me, the top three teams are kind of uh, the three you know consensus best teams in the league. 
Number three, Tampa Bay Rays. They're hitting really well recently, other than just, you know, Randy or Rosarina stepping up to the plate. They're getting quality at bats from everybody in the lineup, which you need. They are on a three game winning streak. So they have beaten teams in this division and have a great record, you know, against uh, the Red Sox, the Orioles, the Yankees, and the Blue Jays. So the Rays are winning against the teams they need to win against. Number two is the Los Angeles Dodgers. Why? They have the highest run differential in baseball. They allow the least amount of runs. They're great defensively. Six-game winning streak as well. The offense is clicking as well. Cody Bellinger is feeling it. Max Muncy. The super team is forming. They are really like uh, the Justice League where, you know, they're the best of the best. The heroes are assembled. You know, they're just missing one piece, but they're already amazing. Who are they missing? Superman to put them over the top. So who are the Dodgers missing? They're missing Mookie Betts to just put the icing on the cake, finish them off, and try to get to this number one spot. Who knows if Mookie will get there this season, but if they do, it's going to be very tough to beat the Dodgers. Who's number one? Well, that's the kryptonite right there. That's the San Francisco Giants. Winners of 13 out of their past 16. They're winning because their offense has been great. The addition of Chris Bryant has paid dividends. Their pitching, again, has some been some of the best all year long. And their pitching still great right now. And they're beating and staying ahead of the Dodgers, which I thought would be hard to do. But they are keeping pace and have a sizable lead over them. So that's my top five in baseball right now. The Houston Astros, the Milwaukee Brewers, the Tampa Bay Rays, the Los Angeles Dodgers, and the San Francisco Giants. Now, golf playoffs are starting. No, that's not a major thing for people, but it is the FedEx Cup playoffs where they play, I believe, the Northern Trust Open, the BMW Championship, and then the... Uh, tour championship down there in Georgia. And it's you the winner of a cup points. I don't think it's the winner of the last event. Uh, who do I think is going to win these playoffs just by having the most points after this season and a lot of points tied to these three events? You know, you have up there in your top five, you've got Colin Morikawa, Jordan Spieth, uh, I think Cantlay's up there, John Ram. But and I think it is going to be John Rahm who wins this thing. I do. I, maybe he doesn't even win one of the tournaments. But since he's already there sitting up there at three or four in terms of the cup points, uh, he's playing well in, early in the first day so far in the Northern Trust Open. Uh, I think he's going to string together a few more rounds. Maybe he doesn't win this one, next one, or even the other one. But if, if he finishes you know, in the top five consistently in these events, he'll get enough points to win it. And even though I'd like to see others, you know, a Jordan Spieth or a Brooks Kepka, I think it will be a John Ram. But before I leave, I need to say one more thing, and that is LeBron James just reacted uh, to a survey where they asked 50 experts in the NBA who is the best player. LeBron James didn't get any. LeBron James t- tweeting, thank you if I needed more to fuel me 
Hashtag Wash King. I actually really like this because they all slept on him when they won it last year. Sleeping on him again. Uh, so who knows it. Could we see another great year from LeBron? I do expect it. I do think we'll get another great year from LeBron. And more people are just fueling the fire, which is bad news for other teams. But we'll see how this season plays out. The NBA starts in just a couple of months. So I'll leave you with that. What about you? Would you give LeBron a vote, thinking he is still the best player today in the NBA? Or no? Leave you with that. Until next time, bye everybody. Hope you all have a great weekend.